Good morning, good morning, good morning, gang. Good to be here with you today, this Tuesday morning, September 18th. I cannot believe it's already September 18th. Goodness gracious, we are moving along in the world quite quickly. I mean, less than a month, less than a month for me, and I'll be out in beautiful San Diego, California. Um, at this moment, like waking up to prepare for the Here We Still Stand conference. I uh, can't wait for that. Uh, this weekend, CHF had a one-day event in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, which from all reports I heard went just splendidly. Um, and uh, with a lineup like you had there, that's not surprising. With Jared Wilson and Chad Bird and Dan Price and Cindy Koch and Scott Keith and Blake Flatley and the list goes on. Uh, so pretty awesome stuff. It's fun to be a part of this. And it's fun to be here with you today to talk about God's Word with you. Uh, from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 13. Uh, last week we focused on God breaking down really the walls of division between Jew and Gentile. And we talked about how stark that division was. God and man via the gospel, the wall between God and man is broken down. Those who were separated were brought near. That's what it said in last week's passage. They were they who were alienated had now become citizens of the kingdom of God. They who were strangers were now adopted into his family. Good morning, Mike. Um, they who were without God were now reconciled to God. I mean, all the, so the passage is, is making this point very clearly. And God does all this through the blood of Jesus' cross by placing us, quote, in him. That's what we learned about last week. Well... Today, we are going to learn a little more about how this, quote, mystery, as Paul refers to it here, uh, ended up being revealed to the rest of the world. How is this mystery of Christianity, of God's kingdom, revealed? And we're going to do that by uh, going through Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 13, and it reads like this. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, Assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Good morning, Danielle, and good morning, Whitney. Verse 6, this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power, to me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. 
So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Well, all right, there is an awful lot there to discuss, and we're going to try and do it in a timely fashion. We're going to try and pull out what we can here and apply it to our existence today as human beings under the banner of God. Uh, first of all, let's talk about this prisoner for the mystery um, stuff. Verse 1, uh, Paul says, For this reason, I, Paul. Well, what, what reason? Good morning, Chris. Uh, all the things mentioned previously in chapter 2 that I just went over before reading the passage. For the reason that all of these former aliens and people that were alienated from God have now become citizens of God. For the reason that you have all been reconciled, I, Paul, am a prisoner for you. Now, literally, Paul is literally a prisoner of Rome when he's writing this, having appealed his conviction to the emperor Nero. Good morning, Kathy. And yet, Paul does not see his imprisonment as being anything other than God's will. Uh, this is common language in Paul's letters. You can see this uh, a little later on in chapter 4, verse 1. You can see it in 2 Timothy 1, verse 8, where where bad things apparently are happening, like Paul being imprisoned, and yet Paul sees all of it as, hey, this is where this is the way God's decided to work right now, and this is the way God's going to work through me to serve you Gentiles. That's what he says. It's on behalf of you Gentiles. Now, what Paul is saying, good morning, PJ, is that the very reason he is actually imprisoned is because of his testimony about the Gentiles being part of God's plan of salvation. He's saying... Frankly, um, it's because of my stand in this regard that both Jews and Gentiles are part of the kingdom of God that has landed me here. It's gotten me in trouble with people. They don't like hearing that. And you can see this is the case when you go back to the book that Dan and I are both going through in 30 minutes in the New Testament right now. Uh, but specifically, like Acts chapter 22, verses 21 and 22, you can see how... Paul's stand for the Gentiles being a part of God's people causes controversy and uh, difficulty. Uh, good morning, Glenna. Good morning, uh, Gene. So Paul says, on behalf of you Gentiles, I'm here. I'm in this thing. Paul views this mystery of the gospel so significant that he is willing to go to prison and even die for it to make sure that everybody knows they're included in this plan. So let's move on now to how this mystery then is revealed. Uh, well, verses 2 and 3, Paul hearkens back to when it was revealed to him in his conversion. Now, I won't go to the passage, but if you want to look it up, it's in uh, a few different places in Acts, but maybe the most um, uh, profound retelling of his conversion is found in Acts 26, verses 12 through 18. And if you remember that story, I mean, Paul is literally on his way to arrest and I think is very willing to murder Christians. Uh, he wants to do anything he can to stop this movement. And then Jesus shows up with a bright light, reveals himself to Paul and says, uh, good morning, Bonnie. He does not say that. He did not say good morning, Bonnie, to Paul. But, uh, but I did to you, Bonnie. Um, he, he, he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And of course, you know, you see that very close identification between Jesus and his church. And so then what does Jesus tell him? Jesus tells, uh, or at least tells Ananias, and, and it very clearly becomes um, evident to Paul, 
that Paul's purpose in ministry is that he's going to reveal the gospel to the Gentiles. That was Paul's ministry. That was Paul's specific calling. So that's what he's hearkening back to in verses 2 and 3. Verses 4 and 5, he says, When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. The way mystery, this word, is used in the context here, and really throughout the New Testament, is not maybe the way that we're used to using it today. In other words, it's not something which still needs to be detected. You know, when we think about mystery, we think about something that's hidden and, you know, that we have to go, you know, figure out, you know, or we think about a, um, you know, a, a, something like the movie Clue or the game Clue. You know, it's a mystery and we're trying to figure it out and it's something that kind of, you know, keeps us, keeps us going. That's not the way it's used here. Mystery in this context, is something that has been revealed already. It was something that was hidden, but is now manifested. And so verse 6 says, this mystery, the mystery of Christianity, is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, that non-Jews are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So the mystery that's revealed, the big news is that a bunch of unclean pagans are now put on the same level as the most religious, observant Jewish people around. This is the mystery of God's kingdom. This is the scandal of the gospel, that no matter where you've come from, no matter what you've done, no matter how dirty or unclean your background is, still today, no matter how Gentile-ish you are, you're welcome. You're in. Through Christ Jesus, all are included. That's the mystery that's being revealed and is so scandalous. So how did this mystery get out to the world? Good morning, Ryan. How did this mystery get out to the world? Well, um, that you can find in verses 7 through 10. Paul first says it happened by the working of his power, of Jesus' power. The means by which all ministers of the gospel are to work, by the way, should be that, by his power. There's a wonderful passage in Colossians 1, 29, where Paul is talking about laboring, which, by the way, Colossians is almost, I mean, in very, very many ways, it's almost identical to the book of Ephesians. Um, it's very, very similar. But... In, that, in the chapter, at the end of the chapter, chapter 1, verse 29, he says, I labor with all the power he gives me. I labor ceaselessly with all the power he gives me. Uh, Zechariah 4, 6 famously says, Not by power nor by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Uh, too often I will uh, confess to you that I try to do way too much in my own stupid strength as a pastor and as a human being, as a father, as a husband. And I got to tell you, it, it doesn't work out well. It does not work out well. It doesn't work out well. We're not meant to be that way. You know, we're, we're taught growing up that, that growing up means or maturity means becoming more independent 
as we become adults. True. But it's the exact opposite when it comes to our faith. Growing up means becoming more dependent on Jesus. And so Paul says, it's by the working of his power that this mystery is being revealed to the world. Uh, my wife is really good at making me remember this. You know, I'll get so busy in the morning with all the things I have to do for the Lord um, that she'll say, honey, we need to stop and pray. And I'll be like, I don't have time right now. I don't have time to pray to the Lord because I have to work to the Lord. And um, she just won't let me get away with it. She just won't. I mean, my wife is far more godly than I am. Um, someday some of you will probably meet her, but anyhow. Um, she makes me pray and makes me give up again, and I'm always better for it. Uh, secondly, Paul says, all right, so it happens by the working of God's power. Secondly, it happens by preaching. Uh, to Paul was given the task of preaching to the Gentiles. Now, this does not mean, of course, good morning, Teresa. This does not mean, of course, that no one else could preach to the Gentiles, but that Paul would be the primary agent by which this good news came to the Gentile pagan world, to the non-believer world. And in light of this mystery being by the working of God's power, it is fitting that Paul would refer to himself as, quote, the very least of all the saints. Now, that phrase shows two things. Number one, it shows that Paul considers himself a saint already. I only bring that up because there are some, uh, some traditions, specifically when we think about Roman Catholicism, that teach that sainthood is something very different than what it actually is biblically. Biblically, you're a saint if you believe in Jesus Christ. Done, done, and done. And this is one of those passages that shows that. The Apostle Paul refers to himself as a saint. And number two, it shows that throughout his ministry, he has no shame, and as a matter of fact, often will speak of himself in a lowly way, acknowledging his unworthiness. So he'll say, I am the very least of the apostles in 1 Corinthians 15. And in this passage, he says, I am the very least of all the saints. And by the time you get to the end of his life, when he's writing to Timothy, he says, I am the very chief of sinners. So the application for you, when, and for really for preachers, uh, preachers sometimes feel that they have to present themselves as being sort of above the fray, not struggling in the same way that the average schmo does, of course. Um, nonsense. We all do. And there's nothing wrong with admitting it. There's nothing wrong with a preacher getting up there and saying, I'm the very least of all the saints. If you knew the kind of things that go through my head on any given day, you'd get out of here. I mean, you wouldn't want to hear from me. I'm a sinner just like you. That this was what Paul did. This is the practice of the church in the first century. And it should be the practice of the church today. And I'll tell you, you'll get a lot further with people if you're trying to minister the gospel to them. If you're trying to reveal the gospel to sinners, if you come at them saying, listen, I'm the very least of saints. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm the chief of sinners. I got my own issues. I'm just with Jesus because he's the one that gives me bread. You're going to go a lot further with that person than if you go at them like, hey, let me point out all the reasons why you're wrong and why you want to be more like me. No, they don't. They don't need to be more like you. Stop it. They need to be, they need to be saved and covered by Jesus. Anyhow, so... Paul does that when he preaches, and so should we. We should be the same kind of way, honest about our 
own weaknesses and limits and sins. All right. Uh, so preaching is the primary means that God's word is communicated and the primary way that God changes sinners' hearts. So what's the content of Paul's preaching? The unsearchable riches of Christ. Christ is the key figure in all preaching. Not five steps to live your best life now. Not five steps to money management for the love of all that is good, that's great in another context. But preaching in the Christian church has to preach the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ. If the unsearchable, if the riches of Jesus Christ are unsearchable, then guess what? That means that we always have more to mine there. We don't have to go to practical living tips for best practices sermons. Preach the Son of God. There's unsearchable riches there, folks. All right. I can't help it. I preach to you. I get all preachy. I don't know what to do. Sorry. Let me wrap this up. The point of this is to expose everyone to this plan. Jew and Gentile alike, thus making a church. Through the church, as the church develops, it actually becomes a witness to the broader spiritual realm of God's great plan. So Paul says it's the eternal purpose of the mystery is brought about through Christ Jesus our Lord to give all of us access to his throne. In the final analysis, that's what it's all about. This mystery brings in the worst of sinners and the most religious of sinners and everybody in between and says, you're all welcome. God's opened up the floodgates of his mercy and he's bestowing it on everybody gratis, free of charge. Enjoy it. Come on in. Boldly come to the throne of grace. And guess what? Ask him for whatever you want. He's your father and he loves you and he wants to bless you. That's the point. That's the purpose. All right. Uh, I got a little too preachy today, but you know, um, I like talking about Jesus. Uh, great to be with you here today. I hope you have a wonderful week. I hope this encouraged you. I will see you next Tuesday. God bless you.